you are listening to the second season of the Carbon Light Pods, conversations with the creative inspired outliers, sprinkled with insights into their life, which will motivate you to follow your passion. Hopefully you've downloaded via Fountain, and I highly recommend you doing so, as their value for value model sees that you, the listener, the podcast guest, and also the content creator are rewarded for their time, which at the end of the day is our most valuable asset. You can also get involved in real time and send a comment whilst listening. Check out some previous episodes too, as there are still rewards to claim by completing some very simple tasks. As I'm feeling generous, I'm also going to share some links that are normally shared as a link tree comment at the end of the episode. From looking at the analytics, there are some who click off as soon as the conversation ends and end up missing the outro. So first off, coincorner.com forward slash social forward slash coach carbon, the place to buy and save your Bitcoin in the UK. Relay.me forward slash coach using code coach. This is the place to buy for those in Europe. MrSatoshi.com forward slash coach carbon for your premium Bitcoin apparel. You've probably seen me wear my Bitcoin bomber jacket, which I absolutely love. Uh, TheBitcoinBottle.com forward slash discount forward slash Bitcoin ballers. That will get you your flask, which will keep hot things hot and cold things cold, obviously. Giza.fund forward slash project forward slash Bitcoin ballers academy. Check that page out to find out exactly what I'm doing with Bitcoin ballers and helping educate young people. And at the time of releasing this episode, we have the four week countdown to the first international tournament being hosted in Amsterdam. So the Bitcoin Ballers Orange Cup tournament coinciding with the Bitcoin conference October the 12th. Um, Check out the tournament online. And if you want to sign up, there's still some places. If you're a fan of football, come and support. So now, whether you are working, exercising or relaxing, please enjoy this conversation and allow it to spice up your life. Welcome to another episode of the Carbon Life Pods, conversation with, with the creative, inspired outliers. Today's guest I am so excited for, um, a coder or super coder, a Bitcoin expert, an author. Would you like to introduce yourself? <laughs> I think you did a pretty good job. And I, I don't know if it would be, um, you know, I like, I, I don't want to keep tooting my own horn, I guess. I, you're, you're so generous with that. No, I, I, I'm, I'm just a coder and, you know, I've gotten it. I got into Bitcoin like, um, you know, 10 years ago, I guess, as more of a little bit more of a public figure, like doing open source projects and stuff. And, you know, um, here I am uh, writing lots of books and getting to be on podcasts and stuff. It's, it's still a little bit unreal. It, well, well, first of all, I want to say thank you very much for, for the time. Um, mm-hmm. I'll just explain to the listeners how this call came about. Um, Jimmy has just released a new book on Twitter, announced my book is being released. There it is there. Fear ruins everything. Um, I'm going to be on podcasts or if you want me on your podcast, let me know. So as I have done in the Twitter space and Bitcoin space since falling down the rabbit hole in 2020, I sent Jimmy a message, not expecting to hear anything back. I think within <laughs> seconds it was, yeah, I'll be on, send me a link. Like, well, <laughs> And here we are two, two days later. So um, hmm. for me, and, and Noob, so you've been in the space for 10 years. For me, I, I still call myself a Noob. Not sure if I can still claim that after around <laughs> 2020. But yeah, to, to have been in the space and seeing your work and seeing you on other podcasts on uh, other people's channels. Um, hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for you coming on. Um, before we talk about Bitcoin, because although this isn't a podcast, um, sorry, a Bitcoin show, I mentioned Bitcoin in my intro, my outro. It's become a big part, big part of, of my lifestyle. Um, mm. 
coincidentally, my podcast started in June 2020, and in October mm. is when I found out the rabbit hole. So they kind of grew together. Um, but mm. I'd like people to listen, not knowing anything about Bitcoin, and hopefully have little touch points and orange pills that I've missed out on <laughs> over the years. Um, so if, <laughs> if you'd like to ex- explain your book in terms mm. of fiat ruins, everything, and what, what that means, um, that'd be mm. great. I had a conversation with a family member because I um, have a competition coming up in Amsterdam for the Bitcoin conference. And mm. I said, you can pay in Bitcoin or fiat. And he said, cousin, you've got to change that because normal people don't know what fiat is. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. And uh, and I, I do go into some pains to learn what, what that word fiat actually means and where it comes from and so on. So uh, fiat in Latin means... Um, you know, let there be something like that. Uh, if, if you read the Bible in Latin, for example, the, uh, you know, Genesis 1-3, let there be light is fiat lux, right? Let there be, and then lux is light. That's 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 what the word means. So it's actually a, a verb in Latin. Um, and after a while, uh, you know, there was uh, something called central banking where, you um, where the government and banks basically are able to print money out of thin air. Um, and that's where the idea of fiat money came from. It's it's this idea that you can create money. Fiat money is like, let there be money, right? Like there's, it's money created out of nothing. Um, and this is sort of like a legal concept too, like a creation by fiat or a declaration by fiat. So if, for example... Um, you know, a, a judge says, hey, like you you need to uh, go make this right by doing this. That's rule by fiat, right? Like it's by saying, let there, you know, I am saying that this has to be it and therefore it has to be. Uh, so fiat money um, is this idea that you kind of create money um, sort of almost arbitrarily uh, and, you know, somebody has control of that. Uh, and it's a it's a very unique form of money, and it's it's a very uh, debased form of money. Um, so when I say fiat ruins everything, what I'm talking about is uh, fiat money having uh, sort of changed the incentives at all different levels. Uh, you know, at the individual level, um, at the sort of company level, at the nation state level, at the at the global level. All of these things are. Uh, you know, at all of these levels, all the organizations, all the people uh, have different incentives as a result of fiat money, ruining a lot of uh, the natural good incentives that exist. And unfortunately, it's uh, it's kind of like, um, you know, like uh, like yeast going through a lot of bread or something like that. It, it, it's just corrupted absolutely everything. And uh, and that's what I documented the book. I suppose another way of looking at it is if you if we said fiat was say trustworthy or humans mm-hmm. involved looking after the, the money had it backed mm-hmm. by something say gold as it used to be um mm-hmm. then you could you we could use fiat and it wouldn't ruin everything but because humans are fallible they have misaligned incentives over, mm-hmm. over the course of history you look back to ancient times the ancient civilizations they've all been succumbed they've all succumbed to the the desire to print more money, print more than what they've earned or worked for. Um, and mm-hmm. what I try and do with everything I do in my podcast, um, what I do with Bitcoin Ballers, the education for young people is 
we need to learn what money is, take it back to, it, to its true form related to time, time and energy and value. Um, mm. well, I don't believe we were taught the full story in schools. Uh, and I, I'd argue that's, that's done for a reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I think if everyone knew um, what true money is or what sound money is, um, there'd, be, there'd be uproar, there'd be riots. And mm. I've got to a, get to a stage now where I, I hear stuff in the news. I, I read, uh, or I say, I listen to mainstream media, often, sounds quite, not very often, so, but what I do, I get little snippets. And I'm looking around thinking, surely everyone can see this, but I appreciate I was once in that space where I would listen or believe what I was told mm. in mainstream media. And it's frustrating at times, but I have to appreciate that not everyone has had the time to look, dig deep and go down a rabbit hole. So, yeah, my, my mission is just to, to throw out orange pills um, and just see who, mm. where, where they land and who picks them up and then just have a, have a spark of conversation. Yeah, and it, it, it's a very important thing to learn right now, too, because of the rise of something called CBDCs that are becoming more of a conversation all over the world. And really what we're talking about with CBDCs are, CBDCs are central bank digital currencies. These are, um, you know, taking money to the next level of authoritarianism. Uh, Like if if you look at the history of money, it's become more and more controlled by the government. So uh, very early on, it was, you know, gold that people used to trade and it wasn't controlled by anybody. If you can uh, figure out where gold was and you dug it out of the ground and refined it and so on, you can you can go spend it in the market. There's no uh, penalty for, uh, you know, producing gold uh, or like digging it up out of the ground. Uh, but, you know, you, you try to, you know, counterfeit fiat currency and you'll get arrested tomorrow because that's illegal you're not you the only people that are allowed to produce uh fiat money are the people that are in charge the people that are implicitly uh trusted to make sure that there's not like a, a super abundant amount so devaluing everything or getting into hyperinflation or anything like that but these are the people that are implicitly trusted by the rest of society um, and that trust has been abused. And I would argue it's been abused really badly, uh, especially in the last three years with the uh, you know, insane amount of money printing that's been going on all over the world. Uh, but CBDCs sort of take it to the next level because not only are you entrusting them with the money supply, once you have something like a CBDC where all your transactions are logged to a central database, now they can do all sorts of things that are even worse. They can track your spending and tell you what you can and cannot buy, how you have to spend and doing all these things that um, essentially, you know, surveil your life. Uh, so it's it's not just a theoretical thing. It's not something that just a few people, you know, out in the anarcho-libertarian wing are, you know, concerned about something that everyone should be concerned about because this level of control is coming. And if you don't understand it, then uh, it's very likely that your your life is going to get way more controlled than it otherwise would be. So, thanks for that, Jimmy. So here's a, here's a good question for you. Myself, mm-hmm. as a pleb, I'm not an engineer, mm-hmm. not a developer. Mm-hmm. When I speak to people about this, they say, well, Bitcoin is going to be controlled. Um, governments created it, mm-hmm. or someone shadowy created it. Yourself as a coder, mm-hmm. how do you then? How 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 do you understand that Bitcoin is not going to be, mm-hmm. be the Trojan horse that people think it is for for governments? 
Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I, I, I get the skepticism because honestly, like for a lot of computer scientists, uh, you know, like Bitcoin was thought to be impossible, something like Bitcoin anyway. Um, and, and the way I explain that is uh, if you think about money, there, there's been really like two types of money uh, before. Um, you had centralized money, uh, fiat currency uh, that we're all familiar with. We use it today and everything and so on. And then you had something like gold, which is decentralized money. So uh, decentralized money, you can, like I said, go dig it up out of the ground and spend it like any, anyone that can find gold. You know, it's it's one atom of gold is as good as any other atom of gold. It's uh, and it's it's a great form of money and has been for a very long time. Now, th those are the two main things, uh, and th those were pretty much the only types for a long time. Um, the thing about gold, though, is that it's physical, uh, um, whereas dollars and fiat currency, um, they can be digital, and they largely are. It, I mean, unless you're using cash, uh, you know, uh, most transactions nowadays are digital. If you're buying anything over the internet, that's certainly digital. If you're buying anything with a credit card or a debit card or a gift card or an octopus card or an M-Pesa, you know, um, a phone transfer or something like that, those are those are all digital. And we live in a digital world. And indeed, the digitalness of money is actually very useful for trade. And there's a reason why so many things are digital. Now, what what we thought for a long time until Bitcoin came along was that you in the digital realm, it has to be centralized. There has to be some sort of central issuer, somebody that controls everything in order to uh, make it work. Right. Like, otherwise, it's not scarce at all. Um, if you think about like decentralized things that are digital, um, you're thinking of things like MP3 files or, you know, your favorite movie or something like that. I mean, you could copy it with perfect fidelity over and over again. It's, it's, uh, you know, that that's one of the nice things about the digital world. So there, you know, thinking of something like digital scarcity is, uh, digital non-centralized digital scarcity is kind of a foreign concept and sort of blows people's minds. And it it did for computer scientists too. And uh, when big uh, when Bitcoin was released in uh, two thousand nine, it's like wait. How can something be digital, decentralized, and scarce? Is that is that even possible? Um, but you know, this is this is the brilliance of Bitcoin is that it is possible. And uh, amazingly enough, uh, when you add proof of work and you have everybody sort of validating or verifying that on their own, you get a decentralized digital. Uh, scarcity uh, and that that is Bitcoin and it's it's a little bit mind-blowing but the the easiest way for me to like kind of describe it is uh, you know anything sort of decentralized in the physical world so something like gold right uh, but not just gold but for a long time salt was money and that that um, you know had to be sort of mined out of the sea and so on sea salt um, you know, there were there were wampons in the uh, that the Native Americans used. You know, those are seashells of some kind, and you had to go and get them uh, from the coast. And it's a particular kind of seashell. It has a purple hue and so on. Uh, so, you know, the, those those are things that you kind of have to mine out of nature, and that that's kind of the nature of decentralized scarce things. And how you have so to put when the you, work in, don't you? So yeah, yeah, you have to put a lot of work, work in. Yeah. yeah. 
so it, that that process of gathering we call mining, and that comes from the world of gold, where you have to go and dig a lot before you get some. And uh, commercial gold mining these days, it takes about uh, 40 tons of dirt and rock that needs to be processed in order to get one ounce of gold. So it's it's a lot of dirt that you have to go through, a lot of rocks that you have to crush, chemicals that you have to put into those before you get one ounce of gold. Now, doing that is obviously very expensive and gold tends towards, uh, the cost of mining one ounce of gold tend to, tends towards the actual price of one ounce of gold. That's That's how long it takes. Uh, but verifying it is very easy. You you just you know do some sort of chemical test and maybe you melt it down or whatever. But it costs nowhere near what one ounce of gold actually costs. And so there there's this asymmetry. Finding it or gathering it is very expensive, but verifying it is relatively cheap. So you you have that quality in the physical world, and you know we didn't think there was anything like that in the digital world. But it turns out, actually, yes, there is. There, There is something that is scarce, and it's particular numbers that satisfy a particular kind of thing. So it's a, uh, there is sort of like a natural thing that you can go and search for, and that that's that process of mining. It's that process of what we call proof of work in Bitcoin. It's, it's searching for a particular number that ends up satisfying um, you know, uh, this double SHA-256 function so that it's below a certain threshold. Um, but it, it's it's extremely rare, right? Like uh, the um, uh, you need to go through many, many, uh, you know, not even trillions, but like 10 to the, you know, um, uh, I think it's on the order of 30, uh, well, not not quite thirty, but it, it's 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 a lot. It's it's something to the equivalent of like um, getting sixty four heads in a row flipping a coin. Like it it's <laughs> it does happen. It's it's just very very difficult to go get. Yeah. So you you get uh you you find these and that that in that way it's very decentralized and a lot like gold and. Um, again, it's unintuitive and not part of most people's experience. And it wasn't for even computer scientists up until uh, Bitcoin was invented. But that that's the innovation. That's the computer science breakthrough that we got with Bitcoin um, that honestly hasn't been copied since, which is, <laughs> uh, you know, also in, unintuitive because it turns out that centralization is very easy and decentralization is very hard. So yeah. Anytime you tweak anything, you put anybody in charge of anything, put any trust in anything, then it immediately gets centralized. And that's uh, the unfortunate reality of all these altcoins that exist that are alternatives to Bitcoin. What's the saying, Jim? I think it's something like you can only discover absolute digital scarcity once. Right? <laughs> something <laughs> like that. that. That's the way it seems. We don't really know, but I mean, that uh, like pretty much everything else that every other altcoin has this centralized entity yeah. or or trust and in that sense gold became kind of centralized too because what ended up happening with gold was instead of directly trading gold um you know people didn't want to take that risk so they they started trading banknotes that could be converted to gold and then governments took that over and that became sort of like a way for them to increase the supply of gold uh, you know, without actually going and digging for it and uh, issuing it. And this this is how 
the current fiat monetary system came about, up until 1971, you could, or at least some entity could convert some dollars to gold. But because it like we we traded these representations of gold, uh, the gold essentially got inflated, or it, it you know we stopped using it as yeah. as the actual thing, and that that's led to all kinds of evil, which which is I'm about to say leads to the book fiat fiat ruins yeah. everything. So mm -hmm. fiat, if it could be trusted, would be fine if we traded it peer to peer with the banknotes or um, mm -hmm. moments. And, and there, if there wasn't somebody like continuously printing it, right, or, or yeah, like exactly. expanding it at will, <laughs> which is what every central bank, not just central bank, but every commercial bank, every retail bank does. And this is something that a lot of people have a misconception about is, okay, if uh, if somebody's getting a loan from a bank, it comes from savings, right? And it's like, that's what we're taught in school. Uh, but that is not what, ha what what's happening when you're getting, you know, your mortgage from the bank for, you know, however much money, say half a million dollars or something. It's not coming from someone's savings. Uh, think about it. Like if you were on the other side of the trade, would you take that trade? Like 30, you would you loan out $500,000 for 30 years for 3%, right? Like the term is too long, the amount is too big and the risk is too high and you're not getting paid enough to do that. But those loans exist all day long. What, what's actually happening? What's happening is the bank creates the money on your behalf. <laughs> that, that money comes into existence the minute you get the mortgage. It did not come from anybody's savings. This is what we call fractional reserve lending. And that happens everywhere in the world. This is how money works. And if, if this is blowing your mind right now, it, it's probably because you really <laughs> have no idea how money works. Like this, this literally is how money comes into existence is through loans. And you, you think it's just at the retail level. It's not, it's at the commercial level too. Large businesses get these, uh, you know, they, they issue corporate bonds. Those bonds get bought up by banks who are also issuing that money out of loans that are made from nothing. Governments are doing the exact same thing when they run a deficit of like trillions of dollars on a budget and they don't they don't have the tax revenue to cover it. What happens? The Federal Reserve loans them money, right? This is what what's called the national debt. It's uh they they loan them money out of nothing. New money comes into existence out of nothing and this 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 is this is how the monetary system works it's unfortunate but most people have no idea that this is uh, this is what you mentioned just said about blowing your mind which bitcoin uh -huh. literally has i'd like to take uh -huh. to pause a second because there's a few points i'd like to go back on so you mentioned uh -huh. fractional reserve banking um uh -huh. i had no idea of that term before i got into bitcoin uh we talk about inflation uh -huh. i knew what inflation what i thought inflation meant i knew about the national debt um, I mm -hmm. think I saw a tweet today that showed the UK national debt, and I know what the US national debt is in trillions. That money can never mm -hmm. be paid back because there's not, because it's been borrowed and created without any proof of work, without any energy. That energy can't mm -hmm. come from anywhere to, to replace. Um, but I want to go back further when we discussed about proof of work with gold mining, mm -hmm. how much energy and resources mm -hmm. it takes to create gold or to mm -hmm. find gold. Mm -hmm. everyone everyone knows what gold is people use it people buy it but no one thinks about the environmental impact it's not until mm -hmm. i started to learn and understand bitcoin and people were talking about the environmental impact of bitcoin that you learn actually mm -hmm. it's it's far far greener than gold if you look at the, <laughs> the environment that gold has created if you look at the, the mining fields you think 
that is for how much gold? Like physical, mm-hmm. you know, the amount of mass. Mm-hmm. Look at the area you've destroyed, the resources that have gone into it. But nobody talks about that mm-hmm. because the people that control it don't want you to know about it. The moment you mention Bitcoin, which is more efficient, greener, you can mm-hmm. verify it. You haven't got a trust. Oh, no, that's bad. That's bad for the environment. It's like there's so much I've learned just through mm-hmm. understanding Bitcoin, which is why I'm so passionate with people to, to say to people, just look into it. Just look into mm-hmm. what Bitcoin is. <laughs> understand what money is in terms of time, energy, and value. You may come to the end of it and think Bitcoin's still a scam, but as Michael Saylor says and plenty of others, no one has done over 100 hours of research um, mm-hmm. studying a Bitcoin and is not fully into it. So, yeah, um, yeah and, and yeah, you definitely my bro. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're 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 talking about gold, and that that's physical gold, which which has its costs and is is very you know bad for a lot of reasons and stuff like that. But like even worse is fiat money, right? Like think about <laughs> think about every bank building you've seen, all the all the sort of banker, you know, the forty seven vice presidents at the at the retail bank, and all the salaries that they're getting paid, the vaults, the parking lots the security systems the software the you know i mean it's way more and and in fact it's i would say it's like a significant percentage of you know the gdp of any country is you know going towards the propping up of fiat money right like yeah they're all value that they provide as well yeah yeah these are what i would call rent seekers people that get to continue collecting checks for doing nothing or actually actively making things worse for everybody. Uh, you know, the, these could be like government bureaucrats or, you know, investment bankers or people, people that don't actually provide value anywhere, but are actually stealing from everybody else. This is the real cost of fiat money. And it's like, you know, people complain about like the energy usage from Bitcoin. Well, that that's how you guarantee that it's scarce. The fiat money, it's it's like way worse. And, you know, think about the police state, the surveillance state, the endless wars that are going on, the millions of people that get killed out of this stuff. It's all escalated by fiat money. We're, we're seeing it right now in Ukraine, right? Like, where, where did the $85 billion that the U.S. gave to Ukraine come from? It didn't come out of... <laughs> additional taxes energy yeah that that's not how it works they just printed it into existence let's just steal from everybody else and give it to them this has always been the case with fiat money it's just very few people understand how money works so it looks like oh we're giving them 85 billion and you know it's uh it it looks like it's free right it's it, Mm -hmm. it just comes out of the ether um but that's not at all what's happening it's you know, like more prescient people or a, a little people that understand things a little bit better might say something like it's coming from taxpayers. Actually, it's not even coming from taxpayers because <laughs> because what's happening is it's coming out of the savings of everybody that holds the dollar. Every single person that has any amount of dollars, their money is debased just a little bit so that Ukraine can have more anti-aircraft missiles and uh, you know, tanks or something like that. And, and this this is including people probably in Russia that are holding dollars, right? They're, they're inadvertently like funding Ukraine in a bit, in a way. But how 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 is that fair in any way? It's not, it, it's coming out of the savings of anybody that holds in the dollar, including 
people in remote places like North Korea, right? That is the number one black market currency in North Korea <laughs> is the dollar. So when, when, when they print money to go do something, right? Like uh, get more weapons in Ukraine. So the war escalates and there's like, you know, a hundred thousand more Ukrainians that die. Well, that that's, you know, that, that that's coming out of that was funded by, you know, stealing the savings of the orphan in North Korea that's trying to buy food in the black market. Like that's like, does that seem morally abhorrent to you? Because it does for me. And that, that's I, don't, I think that, the, listeners, the listeners who aren't Bitcoiners are going to just mm -hmm. explain. So Bitcoiners make bold statements about Bitcoin fixes this or Bitcoin fixes everything. Uh -huh. um, my wife is fed up with me saying that um, uh -huh. with war. War won't stop with Bitcoin on a Bitcoin standard, but it will become unaffordable. So people have to make a decision. Am I going to spend a scarce asset on war or mm -hmm. am I going to try and, try and have a civil relationship with, with my neighbors? With your book, Fiat Ruins Everything, can you give an example of what fiat has ruined and how Bitcoin would, would fix it? Yeah, so let, let's uh, let's talk about something that I'm sure will trigger some people. Um, <laughs> but let's... Uh, let, let's talk about, uh, well, I mean, there's so many, but let, let's, let's do one of my favorites, which is like declining birth rates everywhere in the world. This is almost universal at this point. What is going on? Why is it that people are having less children almost everywhere, like universally? Well, there, there are a few things, few, um, sort of reasons why, but, uh, a lot of it points back to fiat money. So first of all, um, there's a larger bureaucratic state, larger amount of rent seekers. So things are less affordable, right? Because of inflation, because of all of this stuff, um, things are less affordable. So almost every family, both parents work, right? And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out if both parents are working, they're not going to be able to have more than a couple of kids at the most, right? Like there's, it's just very difficult, like juggling all of that and stuff like that. Um, and both parents more or less have to work because things are unaffordable, right? Uh, in particular, housing. Housing has become really un unaffordable in a lot of places. Now, why is that? Well, it turns out that there aren't very good savings vehicles, because fiat currency is debasing uh, almost constantly, right? Because of inflation, especially in the developing world, what you get is no good place to store your value. So what happens when you don't have when when the money is in a good place to store your value? You use other things, and assets have gone up tremendously over the last sixty years. In particular, the two. Um, stores of value that most people look towards are one, equities, right? Stock markets all over the world have exploded since the 70s. And that, and real estate, right? Uh, some uh, land is scarce. Uh, as I think it was Mark Twain said, uh, you know, go get land because they're not making any, right? Like it's, it's scarce because it's, it's kind of hard to produce. So real estate and stocks have, and you know, different kinds of equities have gone up tremendously over time. And, uh, and because of that, the premium on these, uh, on real estate has increased tremendously uh, because people are not 
buying real estate to live in necessarily. Oftentimes it's, it's an investment. It's a way to make sure that the money doesn't debase, right? Instead of losing, you know, some percentage of where, a year to inflation, you keep it by keeping it in real estate. Now, what does that do? Uh, well, first of all, it makes real estate really expensive. And, uh, you know, in, it, you can go to like Asian countries and, you know, uh, places like China, they have entire ghost cities, right? These are entire cities full of apartments that no one lives in. Why? Because they're investment vehicles, right? Like they trust that more than their currency. So they go buy that to store their value rather than that. that, that that's, how, that's how desperate they are about that. Now, what does that do? That means that families that want to have lots of children can't, right? You always had lots of, lots of, uh, at least in the past under like a gold standard or uh, under a sound money standard, you had lots of families that like, had nine, 11, 13 kids or whatever. And, and they wanted to, not, not everybody does in any economy, but those are the people that tend to populate a place and like, uh, you know, keep the birth rate up and stuff. Those people cannot afford the homes that you need to have those families. So, you know, in, in multiple different directions, what fiat has done is make things unaffordable so that people can't plan ahead and have larger families that they might want. And on that note, so thank you for putting that so eloquently. There are so many different aspects that you touched upon that people understand and recognize, but they're not connecting mm -hmm. the dots. And it wasn't mm -hmm. until I got into the Bitcoin space that I stood back and truly understood it. So you have people that are homeowners that have done nothing but borrowed money, which is a fractionally mm -hmm. reserved, <laughs> got a mortgage, bought a house, see it rise in price through no work of their own. You think, uh -huh. think they're geniuses. Like, no, mm -hmm. your, your house hasn't got any better over that period of time. In fact, it's got, it's got worse. <laughs> <laughs> it should depreciate in value over time. But no, it's gone up mm -hmm. in value. But they, they, was, they was asking the question why. It's just like, oh, their house prices go up. Um, example I used to try and always tell people is when I was in school, you used to get a packet of crisps or chips, as you call it in America, mm -hmm. a chocolate bar and a can of drink for a pound, um, a British mm. pound. As I left school, it started to go up slightly. Probably those three items now will cost you two pounds. So it's almost doubled in price in the span of mm -hmm. half a lifetime. But that's just accepted. Oh, it's inflation. But no one's sitting down and question, okay, how do we stop inflation or how do we fight against inflation? No, no yeah. one's question because everyone's in the, <laughs> the rat race, the, the vicious cycle of just going to work, earning the money, paying taxes. Like, no, we, we need to have a reset. We need to sit down and have a serious conversation. Yeah, and, and the thing is, the problem. natural state of uh, the natural state of things, if you read like Jeff Booth's book, is deflation. Right? Things get cheaper over time. Look at <laughs> look at how much you pay for a computer twenty years ago or thirty years ago com compared to now. Right? Like the Things get cheaper because technology improves. Instead, what they've done is take all of that productivity, all of that the savings from you know technological improvements, and used it to fund rent seeking. This this is like unconscionable. The the like if you're able to say that 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 savings should you know accrue to you, the the value should be accruing to you. Instead you know, we're, we're getting used to things getting more expensive, right? If things are getting more expensive as, as time's going on, like that, that's not the natural state of things. That's not how the world works. <laughs> things get better uh, and, and things should cost less. Instead, it's the opposite. And they've somehow like 
psyop it so that we 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 think that that sort of thing is normal. It's it's just about to use that term psyop, and my wife says, "What's that?" So yeah, psychological operation (laughs) that yeah has has seen the whole world just agree on a common belief, but that is untrue. And I'm amazed in the way the way they've done it. I'm Mm -hmm. uh, angry at how they've done it Mm -hmm. and why they've done it. Um, And I hope that in the future we find a way not just as Bitcoin, but as, as a civilization, so to move away from that, that fiat money. And so when we talk about fiat lifestyle and in your book, Fiat Ruins Everything, there is a deep-rooted belief in that. And for me, Bitcoin is, is the answer. And I will believe that until I'm proven wrong. Um, nobody in the three years that I've been in the space has, has come up with a, with a, a, a reasonable reason why that uh, Bitcoin will fail. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so, so a question to yourself, been in the space for 10 years how long from hearing about bitcoin perhaps reading the white paper did it take you to think this is this is the answer was it a long period uh, yeah i think i think it was a long period and i think it's a long period for most people so i first heard about it in 2011 right and i i don't think it really clicked until i read like a draft of the bitcoin standard by safety so i i was friends with him um yeah, as he was writing the book. And I think when I read that, I, I think I really got it then. And it was, that was what, like 2015, 2016, somewhere around there. And uh, so it took me like five years to really get it and understand the sort of the real impact, the the practical impact of uh, of sound money, of Bitcoin. Um, and, and uh, you know, I, I mean, it's that... That's considering also that I, I had studied some Austrian economics in 2008 and had some idea of what sound money was, but I didn't really understand it for about five years. And generally, that's that's how long it takes. It, it takes yeah. multiple years for people to really understand the impact and get it. Uh, you know, I, I think you, you mentioned Michael Saylor saying, you know, anyone that's put in 100 hours like becomes like really enthusiastic about it. Uh, like he's one of the few people that I feel like really like devoted himself to studying it for a long time uh, before like commenting on it and really understanding it. And it still took him like four months, right? <laughs> like before yeah. he he was like, okay, I, I get this now. I, I And like, that's a really smart dude. And, you know, he studied it like very extensively, almost exclusively for, for a, 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 decent period of time so i don't think that you're going to get everything like right away that that's sort of like the problem a lot of so the people focused on adoption make is oh you know if we just you know give them an airdrop of some bitcoin they'll get it or if we if we show them this cool little demo then they'll get it that's that's not how this works money is such a complicated and difficult topic to understand that like you know you you really need to go down the rabbit hole and you know really deeply dig to get it and you know i, I mean in a sense it's it's tragic but at, uh because there's a lot of people that could get a lot of benefit out of it that haven't but at the same time i think it's good because you know if it were very easy to convince somebody of it I think a lot of people would easily get convinced out of it too, and yeah. uh, you know, sure, the, you have to you have to put the work in. Don't you? you have to put the work in to understand yeah. it. 
And what I love yeah. about again bringing up Michael Saylor for how bullish he is now, mm-hmm. we have receipts from him on Twitter. I think 2011 saying Bitcoin's going the way, same way online gambling is going to go to zero mm-hmm. or it's worth nothing. And the fact that it took him another say nine years and then mm-hmm. nine years and then four months of, of a deep dive to to fully appreciate appreciate it. And now mm-hmm. he's not the go to guy, but someone that I would direct people to, to listen to him, especially the 10-part the series he did with Robert Breedlove. I found that at the mm-hmm. start of my rabbit hole journey, and that just absolutely <laughs> blew my mind. Understanding, again, I'll keep talking about it, time, energy, value, how that relates to money, and then Bitcoin having all those principles of money. Like, wow. <laughs> well, and that's how you can tell he he's done the work, right? Because he has a lot to say about it. Whereas a lot of other people that have like a superficial understanding of it. And you can tell that it was superficial because they end up going to an altcoin or something like that. And it's like, okay, you, you didn't really understand the impact of this thing. You didn't really get what why this was important. Uh, or maybe they do and they just sold themselves out to go get you know more money from an altcoin. So you, you mentioned um, altcoins. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain incentive structures that are aligned with Bitcoin and we see people then try and divert to altcoins. Maybe they haven't done their education in Bitcoin. Maybe they have done their education and they're mm-hmm. trying to scam people via altcoins to earn more Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on things, events for the last year or so? So you had the SBF with, with the FTX scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, when I try and explain Bitcoin to people and they tell me about A, A coin, C coin, D coin, and I always say, no, Bitcoin only. And I do mm-hmm. my best to explain why, but in their eyes, well, no, this is the next best thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Bitcoin's been around for years. And I try and explain, well, you have a wheel. The wheel was invented. There are many different variations of a wheel. <laughs> you have cogs, which is a form of wheel uh-huh. in watches. Um, you have the bike, you have cars, you have automobiles, you have um, planes, all incorporate the wheel. And no one's coming along saying, try my new triangular wheel. So <laughs> I see Bitcoin as the wheel. You're, you're trying to come with me with a hexagonal wheel. It does, it's not mm-hmm. going to work or won't it mm-hmm. work to some extent that's never going to be as good as Bitcoin. So mm-hmm. what I try and do is let people see a, a fun, jokey side, but also a relatable way. Um, mm-hmm. But how do you feel, what do you think about people that are in the space that you, I think are educated enough to know better mm-hmm. and don't? What are your feelings towards that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's they're, they're selling out, right? <laughs> they're, they're, selling their soul for some amount of money. And unfortunately that temptation gets greater and greater each like year. So I think it was uh, my friend Tom Bays that told me like, uh, okay, every non-technical Bitcoiner that he saw when he first got into the space in 2013 has turned to some sort of altcoin, right? Every single one from the era that he got in all of them turn towards some altcoin because it's very tempting to like, you know, they'll, they'll give you an airdrop or some portion of the pre-mine or something like that. You can make millions of dollars. And, you know, I've, I've had offers by altcoins to go do stuff like that. But, you know, that that's you, you kind of burn your reputation at that point, right? Like uh, you, it, it's over, right? Like you can't do it again. And, and this is, in many ways, all coins are sort of like an alternate fiat currency. It's it's controlled by somebody, and somebody you know determines all of the rules and so on. So, 
you know, they, they use a lot of the same tactics as fiat money does. It, it, they promise things that they don't deliver and they, you know, use weird accounting games and things like that to make it seem more attractive. Um, and that, that's, that's been the case in the altcoin space. And, it, you know, I argue in the book that altcoins have essentially taken the good name of Bitcoin and used it for their purposes. And yeah. VCs, altcoin founders, they, they, they're all guilty of this. They, they, you know, they go, oh, you know, Bitcoin's been around for this many years and, you know, we're going to be the next one, you know? And it's like, no, you're not, you're nothing like Bitcoin. You're, you're, you're completely centralized. And that's that's the way that they profit off of Bitcoin success is by conflating uh, it with all coins through the word crypto and making it all seem the same when they're they they're really really different. You mentioned about about rep reputation, and I would argue mm -hmm. your reputation is probably one of your greatest assets. So mm -hmm. things I do in the space, I try and be obviously as, as honest as I can. Of what I know and how I understand it, so I always, always, always question and always feel, like, what am I missing out on, or what don't I understand? So when people that I know who also people who I think may be smarter than me or, or know more, or who have been in the space longer, what am I not seeing, or what have they seen that I don't quite understand? But guys, in my short space of time, I I believe I understand that Bitcoin is right. It's it's mm -hmm. don't trust. It's verified. What you're showing or trying to get newbies involved in for me looks like a scam and there's mm -hmm. a saying but walks like a duck quacks like a duck but it's a duck like <laughs> yeah i don't i don't get it so obviously the incentive structures is for them to make as much like, fear or as much money as they can to they flip it into bitcoin because that, that's what they're, that's what they're doing in, in a nutshell yeah i mean sometimes i sometimes they really believe their own hype or uh or things like that and there's there's a lot of human psychology we can get into but i think my general impression, uh, especially with the people that were in early, is that they they think that they're geniuses because they lucked into Bitcoin, right? They think, mm -hmm. you know, I'm the I'm the smart one, and I got into this early, and I made all of this money, and it's all me, me, me. It's not about hey, there's this awesome thing, and you know, you kind of lucked into it because you happened to hear about it from the Silk Road mm -hmm. or something. That that's not how people think at all. They attribute to themselves anything good that happens and attribute to luck when anything bad happens right like really it's probably more the other way around for like uh, a better life is to be grateful for your successes and to sort of look for ways to improve for your uh, failures instead most people go the other way and attribute to their virtue whenever they succeed and you know, uh, blame bad luck when they fail. Uh, and, and, you know, what ends up happening is it, it, you have this very um, undeserved high opinion of yourself and you go, okay, well, I can, I can make this successful by, you know, putting my name on it or something like that. They, yeah. they get egos like that. And, you know, some, like maybe they never really got Bitcoin in the first place. So they, they end up, you know, um, promoting the second, uh, some altcoin with just as much fervor, but of course it's, it's, it, it was never them. It was, it was the thing itself. The Bitcoin, Bitcoin was, was what was amazing. And, you know, putting your name in front of garbage is 
not going to make it any better than garbage. It's still garbage. So <laughs> it's it like it, it's it's sad, but uh, a lot of people do kind of fall into that sort of like I'm the genius kind of ego thing, and it's it's led to a lot of very bad projects. Yeah, yeah. let's just put it that way. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, so I mentioned before I started this call, um, I was in the the spa room at the gym. Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody said, I mentioned to somebody, I had a call, a Bitcoin call. And they went, oh, mm-hmm. so do you actually think it's going somewhere then? And I laughed and said, <laughs> I laughed because I said, there's a lot going on. And when you say mm-hmm. behind the scenes, because it is open, that mm-hmm. may, that the public don't know about. So I'm talking about BlackRock and the, the many spot ETFs that are waiting for approval. You've just had uh, the SEC sued by uh, Grayscale. So I can, mm-hmm. see, I can see all that going on. So I'm thinking, big boys are here to play now. Um, no, no mm-hmm. guarantees in life, but it does send a signal. Um, without price predictions, where do you see Bitcoin in the in the in the future in the coming years? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, the one thing that we can predict for sure is that there's going to be a happening sometime next year. So uh, that that in itself will probably change a lot of um, attitudes because you get you get sort of a supply shock and half of any price is determined by supply, right? There's supply and then demand. We know that there is going to be less new Bitcoin coming into the space starting sometime, maybe next April, somewhere around there. Um, and that that's going to mean something. That's going to um, you know, percolate through the system. And if you reduce the supply, you know, and if demand stays the same, then price goes up. If demand reduces, then maybe it stays the same. If demand goes up, then you know you're 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 looking at a serious bull market. So, I mean that that's that's one thing that I can say for sure. Having's coming, and that's going to affect things. Uh, the the rest of the um, economy, uh, particularly with fiat, it, it seems all very fragile to me, and I think people kind of sense it right like just yeah, i think they, they can feel it in the air but for i yeah. said call them pre-corners rather than no corners yeah everyone, everyone understand at some point but they 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 know there's something not right if something's coming yeah i mean something's not right i mean just look at the interest rates and all the stuff that's breaking right like all the all the weird kind of um incentives that were that have come to an end and stuff like that um you know, we're we're seeing a little more rationality in the market as a result of high interest rates. So uh, the the uh, relationship between interest rates and money printing is that when you have low interest rates, you're essentially printing way more money. As you get higher interest rates, uh, you know, you get less money printing and sometimes monetary contraction where money sort of uh, goes away, right? Like you get, you have less money in the economy. Um, and that's actually been happening for the last uh, six months or so, is that the interest rates are so high that it's contracting the money supply. And this is uh, this uh, has caused some things to break. Um, you know, there, there's like an inverted yield curve um, and, you know, so, some banks had to go down because or they they were insolvent. So, I mean, all banks are insolvent, but <laughs> these ones got shut down. Uh, a lot of companies can't run on sort of like this deficit spending model. Um, you know, startup valuations have completely changed because of that. Uh, I mean, there there's all sorts of things that are kind of breaking. Um, and 
in many ways, the high interest rate environment is unsustainable for that reason, because there are too many constituents that are getting hurt. And at some point, they're, they're going to have to throw up the flag and start printing again. But in a sense, the current high interest rates have weirdly kind of taken away a lot of the uh, bad incentives of fiat money. So it used to be that you could push whatever agenda and you just print money to make up for the lack of profit and something. That's not really the case right now because interest rates are high enough where you can't you can't do things that piss off your customers, right? You, you uh, as a business, you now have to serve customers again instead of, you know, BlackRock or something. You know, the the people that control the flow of money, um, you you have to satisfy customers again. So you're 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 seeing, you know, better uh, or the consumer getting a little more leverage. Uh, I think you see that in certain boycotts of various brands uh, and and things like that. Um, and I expect that to continue if, if you get a high interest rate environment. But in a sense, I, I don't think you're going to get that anymore. Like you're, I mean, it, it's, you're, you're going to have to lower interest rates, print more money, change things. So that's, that's where we are right now. Thank you for that. Um, just whilst, whilst you were talking, so a thought came across my mind and I think it, again, attributed it to Michael Sader, but a lot of people have said it. Um, so in in the future, the coming years, Bitcoin will experience volatility, um, but it will be a volatile appreciating appreciating asset, sorry, as opposed to the fiat currency that you hold in your pocket, which is a stable depreciating asset. So think about <laughs> think about which what you want to hold for, for the long term. Um, mm. Before we leave, I'd like to ask you a question. I ask every guest um, if you mm -hmm. can imagine yourself, a younger self, leaving school. Um, I think maybe at the age of sixteen, seventeen. What one bit of advice would you give yourself? Um, start working, right? Start a business right now. Like do it, do it as quickly as you can. Um, it will teach you way more than school ever will. Uh, so don't worry about school. Like go and start a business in some way, shape, or form. And the the thing that school doesn't emphasize uh and i i see this with a lot of people that have been in school all their life or something like that is they they don't recognize the uh the the necessity of virtue and what i mean by that is you know having courage or prudence or um temperance or you know a strong sense of justice the, these these are not necessarily rewarded in school. In fact, like, uh, you know, to get through school, most of what you have to do is sort of play a little bit of politics, right? Like do what the teacher tells you, right? The spit back, whatever the teacher says, um, you know, sort of position yourself to get into the next, you know, level in the right way and sort of continue doing that. It, it doesn't really require much courage. It doesn't require much, I mean, it does require some diligence and things like that. But but the things that you learn as an entrepreneur are that you need courage. You need to have the balls to go do something. You need uh, you need a good idea of what's actually happening instead of the fake fake stuff that they you know, fake news that you might be hearing. You, you need to be able to discern what's actually true, because if you don't do that correctly, you're just going to lose money. Right. Like so. I think that, entrepreneurship. That, 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 actually, you mentioned, that actually, you mentioned. Sorry, 
my first thought was career politicians uh-huh. who go through the school system <laughs> the universe, and they are <laughs> all the things you mentioned they they don't have because they trying to align us and they're trying to please both parties at the same time they're trying to play people off against each other and they've been taught to do that uh, yeah yeah and th- this is the ultimate will. rent seeker right this is the ultimate fiat job it's you don't add value to anybody and you end up just you know sort of living off by uh being a societal leech though you know you pretend that you're something else um but but this idea of entrepreneurship of of providing value to other people is ultimately what what uh, you know your your place in society the the reason why like you're you you have value is in uh from an economic perspective is that you can pro- produce something and i in many ways it's like highly empowering and uh it it takes away a lot of this inward focus uh that a lot of young people have uh and the anxiety that they have related to that it's uh because you're you're performing in a political zero zero sum political game rather than in trying to satisfy the uh needs of other people by providing a good or service in the market um so going down that route i think will take away a lot of this anxiety a lot of the sort of depression that comes out of a meaningless you know, like life that uh, comes from rent seeking um, and said, go provide value, right? Like be an entrepreneur, that that would be the main advice. Excellent advice. And just to add, add on top of that, this is one of the reasons why I started the podcast. Um, it was mm-hmm. initially for my, my son and daughter so they could hear conversations with people that have done well in life and followed their mm-hmm. dreams maybe later on in life. So for me, if, if a young person could do that early, um, yes, mm-hmm. there will be struggles, ups and downs, but Rather than wait four, maybe eight years, find themselves in in debt, perhaps to the education system, and then oh god, yeah, and, and that, that is so it. toxic, dude. It's so toxic to anybody. Yeah. If they could do it early and, and forego all that, then yeah, they would learn lots of skills, and I think they'll be better off, as you mentioned, mentally as well. And and, and your dreams will evolve, right? Because the the more you do so, like the dreams that most kids have nowadays is based on like just sort of like representations that see that they see on TV. I want to be a doctor because that person looks like he has a nice car, or, you know, like or it, it is having fun. Yeah, you, you really have no idea what it's like to be a doctor or. I, I mean, you talk to doctors and, you know, at least in the United States, they talk about billing problems <laughs> like the, that's their that, that that's their main headache is like figuring out how to how to extract money from the insurance company that that's supposed to pay them and stuff like there, another thing that bitcoin fixes but that's another yeah, rabbit hole <laughs> yeah yeah but you know the idea is your your dreams are not very well informed and the more informed you are of the actual market like they change and the thing is like a lot of people give the advice of you know go follow your dreams and stuff well what if your dreams were made when you were completely ignorant right like that those aren't good dreams you need you need more real life experience more understanding of how the world works to have good dreams right uh and honestly a, a lot of the stuff that you end up doing you couldn't have ever imagined right like the life i i have right now it's not something 
that at nine years old, I was like, oh, you know what? I wanted to go on podcasts talking about yeah. uh, decentralized digital currency and uh, the book I wrote about it. And that wasn't even in anyone's conception, right? Like, like no careers advisor is going to say, oh, you yeah, like that. <laughs> and, and like most, a, a significant number of careers right now were unimaginable 30 years ago. Um, and that that's the thing to think about is there's always if if you learn how to get into the market and be an entrepreneur, you learn to see opportunity and you get to see, OK, you know what? There's this new thing. I think I'm actually really good for it because it, it suits my talents in this way. And um, and this is the advantage that young people have that old people don't. Yeah. And uh, and that's something that you should take full advantage of is seeing what's coming and seeing what's popular you you have you're part of a different generation and you see things differently and you 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 know like don't look at you know where the puck is right go to where the puck is going right this is this the famous uh yeah yeah quote from wayne gretzky you you, yeah, you yeah. go to where <laughs> where where the puck is going like you can't do that unless you're in the market and seeing seeing kind of trends and it's like oh, you know what that that's where it's going and I want to make sure that I'm positioned to be there. Yeah. Uh, well, that's and what I feel like being in, being in the Bitcoin space and <laughs> I mentioned it before. I spoke to Daniel Prince. I think you know who Daniel Prince from yeah, once yeah. and I said, but Daniel, I feel like we're in an echo chamber. He says yes, decide. Yeah. But in the echo chamber, the echoes make sense. <laughs> <laughs> and you're you you can do it right like you can get to that place before anybody else the, i mean this is part of why i wear the cowboy hat it, it's you're you're on the frontier and in the frontier is opportunity and that's what you got to look for that's that's how you make a living that that that's where the exciting life comes from you don't want to go down the well-trodden path of the fiat rent-seeking elite right like that's that will get you to depression and you know like substance abuse or something really bad like you you don't want to go down that route mm -hmm. um you know there's a reason why jeffrey epstein's clients were all rent seekers pretty much right? <laughs> like it's like it's it's a depressing and horrifying world to be in you want to go out to the frontier. You want to make something of yourself. And uh, and that's that's always been my message to young people is, you know, go West, young man. Go go find opportunity. Go go do something uh, that no one's really thought of. Go go find go think for yourself and don't follow the path that everyone tells you. Go think for yourself and find that find your path. And that's going to require a lot of virtue, a lot of skills, a lot of um, thinking and a lot of analysis and all of that, all of that, which makes you human and you will be better for it. So go do it. Excellent. Thank you for those wise words, Jimmy. I'll, I'll reiterate <laughs> that Bitcoin, I believe, make, makes you a better person just just through that education and, and studying mm -hmm. of, of what it is. Um, I'm going to add all of your links into the show notes, but if you could let the listeners know where they, where they could find you. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Jimmy Song. I also have a newsletter, jimmysong.substack.com. It's a more technical newsletter, but sometimes I put in links of interesting stuff. Um, I am doing a crowdfund for my new book, Fiat Ruins Everything, at fiatruinseverything.com. And you can go and you know get different goodies and things like that. Um, uh, yeah, I, I have other books and stuff. You can you can find it all on my Twitter. So yeah, go go check that out. 
again, Jimmy, thank, thanks for your time. I, I so much appreciate it. I'm going to be honest. We say don't trust Verify. I checked the uh, email link and your page several times before the call. I was half expecting so a spammer to, to join the call today. So I'm so <laughs> <careful>. <laughs> that's um, good. You did verify uh, that, that it's me. So that's good. Wicked. If you want to stay online, uh, I'll end the call here um, for the listeners, but we'll do a debrief. Uh, but thanks mm -hmm. again. And hopefully mm -hmm. I'll catch up with you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. If you made it this far, hopefully you now understand what fiat means, how it ruins everything, and why Bitcoiners don't actually hate on the car manufacturer. Obviously, for further reading, check out Jimmy's book and potentially use it as your entry point into the rabbit hole of your financial education and literacy, if not already begun. At this moment in time, with so much free information out there, there's no excuse to continue with the fiat mindset that has plagued the world for so long. Check the show notes for Jimmy's links, including Twitter handle, and a reminder to everyone follow my Linktree account. Gain access to discount and referral codes for a wide range of products. If you enjoyed listening, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, follow the Instagram page, visit my website, coachkarma.life, and share with friends and family. And finally, remember, variety is the spice of life. <laughs>